Okay, kids, let's get back to reading Shiloh. Welcome home, by the way. You've been gone two weeks. That's, uh, that's quite a while, quite a long time to be away from home. So, congratulations for getting back and getting settled in. Thanks for getting mommy home safe. Good job. Chapter 3. I don't sleep more than a couple hours at night. When I do, I dream of Shiloh. When I don't, I'm thinking about him out in the rain all afternoon, head on his paws, watching out the door, watching our door, thinking how I disappointed him, whistling like I meant something that first time, getting him to come to me, then taking him on back to the to Judd Travers to be kicked all over again. By five o'clock, when it's growing light, I know pretty much what I have to do. I have to buy that dog from Judd Travers. I don't let my mind go any further. Don't dwell on what Judd would want, would want for Shiloh, or even whether he'd sell. Especially don't ask myself how I'm supposed to get the money. All I know is that I can think of only one way to get that dog away from Judd, and that's what I'm going to have to do. My bed is the couch in the living room, so when Dad comes in to fix his breakfast, I pull on my jeans and go out to sit across from him in the kitchen. First, he makes himself a lunch to carry to work. He drives his Jeep to the post office in Sistersville, where he cases mail for around 200 families and delivers it, then comes back to the friendly post o- the friendly post office where he cases mail for 200 more. Delivers that, too. Root takes him about 85 miles on roads you can hardly get on in winter. Morning, he says to me as he stuffs a sandwich in his sack, then starts in on his breakfast, which is wheat checks and any fruit he can get from our peach tree. He makes himself coffee and eats the cornbread or biscuits Ma saves for him from our meal the night before. Can you think of of a way I could earn money? Can you think of a way I could earn myself some money? I ask him. With the foggy, with this froggy kind of voice that shows you aren't woke up yet. Dad takes another bite of cornbread, looks at me for a moment, then goes on studying his cereal. Says exactly what I figured he'd say. Collect some bottles, take them in for deposit. Pick up some aluminum cans, maybe, for that recycling place. I mean real money. Gotta have it faster than that. How fast? I try to think. Wish I could earn it in a week, but no, I can't. Have to go out every day for a whole summer collecting cans and bottles to have much of anything at all. A month, maybe, I tell him. I'll ask along my mail route, but... Don't know many folks with money to spare, he says. Which is what I thought. 
After Dad's gone off, Becky gets up before Ma, and I fix her a bowl of Cheerios, put her sneakers on so she won't stub her toes, and brush the snarls from her hair. Read once in a book about how some kids earn money babysitting. Boy, if I ever got paid even a nickel for every time I'd taken care of Becky, Daryl Lynn too, I'd have a lot of dollars. I do a whole bunch of jobs that other kids in other places get paid to do, but it wouldn't ever occur to me to ask for pay. If I asked Dad, he'd say, You live in this house. You live in this house, boy. Oh, if I asked Dad, he'd say, You live in this house, boy? And when I'd say yes, he'd say, Then do your share like the rest of us. Which is why I never asked. More Cheerios, says Becky, and all the while I'm making her breakfast, I'm thinking the best route to take to find aluminum cans. By the time Daryl Lynn gets up, wearing one of Dad's old t-shirts for her nightgown, I'd figured how I could double my can count. But when Ma gets up a few minutes later, she takes one look at me and guesses what I'm thinking. You got to get that... You got that dog on your mind, she says, lifting the big iron skillet to the stove. Sorry, I lost my place. You got that dog on your mind, she says, lifting the big iron skillet to the stove top and laying some bacon in it. Thinking don't cost nothing, I tell her. She just gives me a little smile, then, then and sets about making my bacon crisp the way I like it. And we don't say any more about Judd's dog. Must walk five miles that morning, and all I find is seven cans in one bottle. When Dad comes home about four, he hasn't found anybody looking for help. But he says, The Sears Fall Catalog coming this afternoon, Marty. You got nothing better to do tomorrow. You can ride my route with me. Help me deliver them. I say yes to that. No, I won't get nothing more out of it than a soft drink at the gas station, but I like going around in the Jeep, riding over back roads like Rip and Tuck and Cowhouse Run Road with Dad. Can take a bag with me just in case and pick up any cans or bottles I happen to see. That night, Dad and I sit out on the porch. Ma's in the swing behind us, shelling lima beans for next day and Becky and Dara Lynn's in the grass catching lightning bugs and putting them in a jar. Dad laughs at the way Becky squeals when she gets a bug in her hand. But seeing those bugs in a jar reminds me of Shiloh all chained up at Judd's. A prisoner shores those bugs. Truth is, about everything reminds me of Shiloh. You once get a dog to look at you the way Shiloh looked at me, and you don't forget it. Got seventeen, Darylin shouts. Aren't they pretty, Ma? Almost could turn off the electricity and let them light the kitchen, Ma says. 
You going to let him go? I ask. Darylin shrugs. They'll die if you keep him in a jar, I tell her. Becky, she comes over and crawls onto my lap. We'll let him go, Marty, she says, and kisses me on the neck. A butterfly kiss, she calls it. Bats her eyelashes against my skin. Feels like a moth's wings. She laughs and I laugh. Then far off, I hear a dog. Leastwise, I think it's a dog. Might could be a fox cub, but I think Shiloh. You hear that? I ask Dad. Just a hound complaining, is all he says. Next morning, Dad gives me a nudge when he comes through the through to the kitchen, and I'm up like a shot. We ride to Sistersville, and I haul all those catalogs out to the Jeep while Dad cases mail. Not everybody gets a catalog, of course, but anyone who places an order with Sears during the year gets one, so there's lots to load up. By quarter of nine, we're out on the route. Dad pulls the Jeep up close to the mailboxes, and I stuff the mail in. Turn up the little red flag on the side, if there is one. Some folks even wait down at the box. And then you feel real bad if you don't have anything for them. Dad knows everybody's name, though, and he's always taking time to say a little something. Morning, Bill, he says to an old man whose face lights up like Christmas when we stop. How's the wife doing? About the same, the man says. But this catalog's sure going to cheer her. And he sets off for his house, mail tucked under his arm. People even leave something in their boxes once in a while for Dad. Mrs. Ellison always leaves a little loaf of banana bread or a cinnamon roll, and Dad saves it to eat with his lunch. After we finish Sistersville, we do the friendly route. But as the jeep gets up near Shiloh, my heart starts to pound. I'm thinking of closing my eyes tight in case the dog's around. If I see his eyes looking at me, they'll just drive me crazy. I can hear dogs barking when we're a half mile off from Judd Travers's trailer. Dogs can pick up the sound of a jeep that quick. I get Judd's mail ready for him. He hasn't got any catalog coming, but he's got two other magazines that probably warm his heart. Guns and ammo and shooting times. Why don't he take a magazine about dogs, I'm thinking. Teach him how to be kind. All those dogs is chained when we get to his place, so none's waiting for us at the box. But Judd is. He's got a big old sickle. He's cutting weeds along his side of the road. Morning, Dad says as the jeep pulls up. Judd straightens his back. His shirt's all soaked with sweat, and he wears this brown handkerchief tied around his forehead to keep the sweat from running in his eyes. How you doing, Ray? He says and comes over to the jeep with his hand out. I give him his mail, and he even stinks like sweat. 
I know everybody sw sweats and everybody's sweat stinks, but it seems to me Judd's sweat stinks worse than anyone's. Mean sweat. How come you, ain't, you aren't at work? Dad says. You think this ain't work? Judd answers, then laughs. Got me a week of vacation coming, so I take a day now and then. This Friday I'm going hunting again. Take the dogs up on the ridge and see if I can get me some rabbit. Possum, maybe. Haven't had me a possum dinner for some time. Dogs okay? Dad asks, and I know he's asking for me. Lean and mean, says Judd. Keep them half starved. They'll hunt better. Gotta keep them healthy, though, or he won't have them long, Dad says. I know he's saying that for me, too. Lose one, I'll buy another, Judd tells him. I can't help myself. I lean out the window where I can see his face real good. Big, round face, whiskers on his cheeks and chin where he hasn't shaved his face for five days. Tight little eyes looking down on me beneath his bushy brows. That dog that followed me home the other day, I say. He okay? He's learning, Judd says. Didn't give him an ounce of supper that night. Just put him in where I could watch, put him, just put him where he could watch the others eat. Teach him not to wander off. Got him back in the shed right now. My stomach hurts for Shiloh. That dog, I say again, what's his name? Judd just laughs and his teeth dark where the tobacco juice oozes through. Hasn't got a name. Never name any of my dogs. Dogs one, two, three, and four is all. When I want them a whistle, when I don't, I give them a kick. Get. Scram. Out. That's my dog's names. And he laughs, making the fat on his belly shake. I'm so mad I can't see. I know I should shut my mouth, but it goes on talking. His name's Shiloh, I say. Judd looks down at me and spits sideways. Studies me a good long time, then shrugs as the jeep moves forward again and on along the river. Chapter 4 Marty Dad says when we're around the bend, sometimes you haven't got the sense to shut up. You can't go telling a man what to call his dog. But I'm mad too. Better than calling him Git or Scram. Judd Travers has the right to name his dog anything he likes or nothing at all. And you've got to get it through your head that it's his dog, not yours, and put your mind to other things. 
The jeep bounces along for a good long mile before I speak again. I can't, Dad, I say finally. And this time his voice is gentle. Well, son, you gotta try. I eat my peanut butter and soda cracker sandwiches with Dad at noon, plus the zucchini bread Mrs. Ellison had left in her mailbox for him. And after all the Sears catalogs and mail is delivered, we head back to the Sistersville post office. I get my Coca-Cola at the gas station while Dad finishes up, and we start home. I forget all about looking for cans and bottles. The can I'm holding is the only one I got. Judd Travers goes hunting nearly every weekend, don't he? I asked Dad. I suppose he does. You can shoot at just about anything that moves? Of course not. You can only shoot at what's in season. I'm thinking how. About a year ago, I was fooling around up on the ridge and come across a dead dog. A dead beagle with a hole in its head. Never said anything because what is there to say? Somebody out hunting got a dog by mistake, I figured. It happens. But the more I think on it now, I wonder if it wasn't Judd Travers shooting a dog on purpose, shooting one of his own dogs that didn't please him. Dad's still talking. We got a new game warden in the county, and I hear he's plenty tough. Used to be a man could kill a deer on his own property anytime if that deer was eating his garden. Warden would look the other way. But they tell me the new warden will find you good. Well, that's the way it ought to be, I guess. What if a man shoots a dog? I ask. Dad looks over at me. Dogs aren't ever in season, Marty. Now you know that. But what if a man shoots one anyway? Uh, it would be up to the sheriff to decide what to do, I guess. The next day, I start early and set out on the main road to Friendly with a plastic bag. Get me 11 aluminum cans, but that's all. Could walk my legs off for a year and not even have enough to buy half a dog. The questions I'd tried not to think about before, before come back to me now. Would Judd Travers want to sell Shiloh at all? And how much would he want for him if he did? And even if I got Shiloh for my very own, how was I supposed to feed him? There aren't many leftover scraps of anything in our house. Every extra bite of pork chop, boiled potato, or spoonful of peas gets made into soup. If we had enough money for me to have a dog and buy its food and pay the vet bill and everything, I would have one by now. Tara Lynn's been begging for a cat for over a year. It isn't that we're rock poor. Trouble is that Grandma Preston's got real feeble, and she's being cared for by Dad's sister over in Clarksburg. 
have to have nurses any time Aunt Hetty goes out, and every spare cent we got goes to pay for Grandma's care. Nothing left over to feed a dog, but I figure to get to that. But I figure to get to that problem later on. I wonder if maybe in time, if I never see Shiloh again, I'll forget about him. But then I'm lying on the couch at night after everyone else has gone to bed, and I hear this far-off sound again, like a dog crying. Not barking, not howling, not whining even. Crying, and I get this awful ache in my chest. I wonder if it is a dog, if it's Shiloh. I know you want a dog, Marty. Ma says to me on Thursday. She's sitting at the kitchen table with cardboard boxes all around her. Folding a stack of letters and putting them in envelopes. Ma gets work to do here at home anytime she can. I wish we had the money so every one of you kids could have a pet. But with Grandma seeming to need more care, we just don't. And that's that. I nod. Ma knows me better and I know myself sometimes. But... She don't have this straight. I don't want just any dog. I want Shiloh. Because he needs me. Needs me bad. It's Friday morning when I hear the sound. Dad's off on his mail route. Tara Lynn and Becky's watching cartoons on TV. Ma's out on the back porch washing clothes in the old washing machine that don't work. Only the ringer part works if you turn it by hand. I'm sitting at the table eating a piece of bread spread with lard and jam when I hear the noise I know is Shiloh. Only the softest kind of noise and right close. I fold the bread up, jelly to the inside, stick it in my pocket and go out the front door. Shiloh's under the sycamore, head on his paws, just like the day he followed me home in the rain. Soon as I see him, I know two things. One, Judd Travers is taking his dogs out hunting, like he said, and Shiloh's run away from the pack. And two, I'm not going to take him back. Not now, not ever. I don't have time to think about how I'd promise Judd if I ever saw Shiloh loose again, I'm, I'd bring him back. Don't even think what I'm going to tell Dad. All I know right then is that I have to get Shiloh away from the house where none of the family will see him. I run barefoot down the front steps and over to where Shiloh's lying, his tail just thumping like crazy in the grass. Shiloh, I whisper and gather him up in my arms. His body is shaking all over, but he don't try to get away. Don't creep off from me the way he did that first day. I hold him as close and careful as I carry Becky when she's asleep. 
and I start off up the far hill to the woods, carrying my dog. I know that if I was to see Judd Travers that very minute with his rifle, I'd tell him he'd have to shoot me before I'd ever let him near Shiloh again. There are burrs and stickers on the path up the hill, and usually I wouldn't take it without sneakers. But there's burrs and stickers in my feet. I hardly feel them. I know Judd Travers and his hounds won't be over here, because this hill belongs to my dad. Get me as far as the shad bush next to the pine, and then I sit down and hug Shiloh. First time I really have him to myself. First time I can hug him. Nobody looking. Just squeeze his thin body, pat his head, and stroke his ears. Shiloh, I tell him as though he knows it's his name. Judd Travers is never going to kick you again. And the way his eyes look at me then. The way he reaches up and licks my face, it's like it seals the promise. I'd made a promise to Judd Travers I wasn't going to keep. Lord help me. But I'm making one to Shiloh that will. I set him down at last and go over to the creek for a drink of water. Shiloh follows along beside me. I cup my hands and drink, and Shiloh helps himself, lapping it up. Now what? I ask myself. The problem is looking at me square in the face. I got to keep Shiloh a secret. That much I know. But I'm not going to keep him chained. Only thing I can think of is to make him a pen. Don't like the idea of it, but I'll be with him as much as I can. I take him back to the shad bush and Shiloh lays down. Shiloh, I say, patting his head. Stay. He thumps his tail. I start to walk away. Looking back, Shiloh gets up. Stay, I say again louder and point to the ground. He lays back down, but I know he's like to follow. Anyways... So I pull him over to a pine tree, take the belt off my jeans, loop it through the raggedy old collar Shiloh's wearing, and fasten the belt to the tree. Shiloh don't like it much, but he's quiet. I go down the path, and every so often I turn around. Shiloh is looking at me like he will never see me again, but he don't bark. Strangest thing I ever see in a dog. To be that still. Ma is still on the back porch. When she washes, it takes her near all day. Daryl Lynn and Becky stuck to the TV. So I go to the shed by the side of the house and I take the extra fencing Dad had used when he had us more chickens. I take me a piece of wire too and I go back up the hill. Shiloh's still there, and he don't try and get up while I set to work. I string the fencing around the trunks of the three small trees for corner posts, and then back to the pine tree again where I fasten it with wire. 
pen measures about six by eight feet. I go back down to the shed again, and this time I get the old rotten planks Dad took out of the back steps when he put in the new. Pick me up an old pie tin, too. I take the planks up to Shiloh's pen and make him a lean-to on one end to protect him from rain. Fill the pie tin with water so he'll have something to drink. Last of all, I take the lard bread from my pocket and feed it to Shiloh in little pieces, letting him lick my fingers after every bite. I wrap my arms around him, pat him, run my hands over his ears, even kiss his nose. I tell him about a million times I love him as much as I love my ma. The worry part is whether or not he'll stay quiet. I'm hoping he will, because he was a silent dog to begin with. But all the way back down the hill to the house, I put my finger to my lips and turn back. Shh, I say. Shiloh, he don't make a sound. Like he had the bark beat out of him when he was a pup and it just never came back. I'm tense as a cricket that night, tense when Dad drives up in his Jeep, afraid the dog will bark, tense when Daryl Lynn and Becky are out in the yard playing after dinner, squealing and yelling, afraid that Shiloh will want to get in on the fun and maybe dig a hole under the fence. He never comes. I manage to take a piece of potato and some cornbread up to him before it gets dark, I sit down in his pen with him, and he crawls over to me, licking my face. If he'd been a cat, he would have purred. He was that glad to see me. Tell him I'm coming back tomorrow with some kind of leash for him. Tell him we're going to run all over that hill, him and me, every day. Tell him he's my dog now, and I'm not never going to let anybody hurt him again, ever. And then I leave, wiring that fence good. I go home and sleep a full night, first time in a long while. Okay, that's the end of chapter four, kiddos. And I think that'll be good for now. So, Marty's got himself a dog. Did he get it uh, totally legit? Hmm. Let's think about that. Anyways, hope you guys are enjoying the story. I thought it'd just be kind of fun to read a dog story. But um, we'll see what happens here. 15 chapters, that's the end of number four. So we're cruising them right along. Okay, I love you kiddos very much. Hope you get good sleep. I love you and I'll be praying for you. And I'll catch you next podcast. Love you. Night night.